He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome everybody here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. Uh, today joined by a good friend of mine, somebody who I go way back now at this point. I know I've known Adam since before he had gray hair on his head. I feel like I think um, Adam is here from uh, DMVR, from All City, from uh, Nuggets fandom, um, from my mentions anytime or <laughs> not my mentions. That's more like. That's more of my messages, right? If I have a take that I that you particularly don't like, I'll 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 hear about it in that way. But Adam, how are you doing, buddy? Are you ready for the season? I am, man. Um my buddy, my colleague Harrison Wynn posted a photo of Michael Malone eight years ago when he took over the job and he looks like he's forty years younger than he is now today. And <laughs> I haven't seen a photo of myself eight years ago, but I imagine it's the same. I posted a photo in our we have a group chat with Yeah, like, you've been looking of- real young. It was from 14 years ago. Yeah. Um, I won't say who was in that picture with me, but uh, that was a that was that was pretty shocking. Like it was like a cl- completely different contour of the face, all that yeah. stuff. So, <laughs> um, uh, Adam also plays a a significant role with All City. And actually, what I wanted to start with here is I wanted to give you a hard time because right. um, I'm saying this enviously. Because um, every time All City launches something new, something insane happens in the city that you launch in. So, uh, <laughs> PHNX launches; they go on the greatest postseason run of that organization's history, basically, right. and then follow that up with the acquisition of Kevin Durant right. and Bradley yeah. Beal. Yep. Uh, you just launched uh, PHLY. Which, um, oh yeah, sure. The Phillies are now yeah. on their way potentially to a World Series. Um, could you just let me know what cities you're thinking about <laughs> next, so that I I know what to bet on? Never, never Los Angeles. That's for sure. Like I gotta, I gotta avoid that. It yeah. is true, man. Like we've had the string of luck, and then if you go to Chicago, you know they get Justin Fields, they get Connor Bedard, who's yeah. a, a, like a, you know, a phenom hockey in, in hockey. Yeah. That's a big hockey city. So we've had a. We've had some some pretty good luck. I will say when we launched DNVR, uh, global pandemic hit. <laughs> fair. So that is fair. <laughs> it kind of balances out if we're being honest. Um, <laughs> nothing whatsoever to do with that. Oh man, I I do I do though. Like it 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 is so fascinating because. And this is something I really respect about you. I've known you for a really long time, and a lot of people, when they when they when they have the amount of success that All City is having, will kind of say like, "We'll refuse to use luck as a word. Luck is this four letter mm-hmm. word, and they refuse to like acknowledge it in any real way." But of course, people get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so here, you know the story I heard. I heard years back that Barstool launched in like 2003 or something in Boston, like a very small mm-hmm. grassroots thing. And Boston won like 10 championships in six years, you know, like during that run. <laughs> yeah. So they, you know, Simmons too. whether you like or hate Barstool is irrelevant to the story I'm telling. It doesn't matter, you know, like your moral opinion or this or that. They've grown into a juggernaut. 
And they rode a wave of a lot of championships to kind of like do that. And with Denver, I mean, obviously, I mean, look, the Denver Nuggets won a championship. Who thought that was ever going to happen? Like, not even me. I thought that would ever happen. I remember multiple conversations you and I were having that you said it was never, ever, ever going to happen. And and so all there is something here. And I'll tell you, somebody asked me a while back, several months back, maybe it was right after the Nuggets championship. They're like, do you feel like you guys have manifested this? Because our company is like, we joke that we're a vibes-based company, <laughs> you know, like we, we are one of our core, you know, beliefs is like, if sports aren't fun, what are we doing? <laughs> and I yeah. think people forget that, that it's supposed to be fun. So we're just trying to like always have fun through what we're doing. And then, and sometimes, and I'm not saying I believe in this stuff at all, Anthony, because I actually don't, but it does feel like we manifested it. <laughs> you know, it does feel like we're manifesting <laughs> the Diamondbacks and Phillies into the uh, NLDS. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It's not. I mean, there is luck. I mean, it is luck. You prepare for the best you can, and you hope that you know something good ha- comes your way. And and fortunately for us, a, a string, knock on wood, a string of good luck has come our way. Well, I mean, like to the extent, like nobody's gonna. Like, you had no idea when you started the NVR. Well, maybe you did. I don't know what stage Jokic was at in his career or whatever, but you didn't think that like he was going oh, yeah. to lead. You you didn't think he was going to eventually become the best player in the NBA and he was going to win a championship and all that stuff. Well, I'll push you just back. I disagree. I did think at that because we launched in 2019. And at that point, I was already, you know, I mean, well ahead of the curve with Jokic, even though this going back, I think it was like yeah. 2017. It was annoying. But what, but what I will say is all along the way, one of the reasons we launched this company was here in Denver, everybody was, it's Broncos. Nobody cares about these other teams. They'll never be as great as the Broncos. And we yeah. made this bet of, it's just fun to like all of your teams. It's just fun. I don't know why we have to like pick and choose. And yeah. it sounded like a crazy bet back then. The Broncos have been maybe the worst team to follow for the last like five years in all of sports. The most, I just like, watched them tonight. <laughs> oh man, I pity you. And meanwhile, the Nuggets and Abs have won championships during, you know, since we launched. And so there is just something to, again, being prepared. Like another example is Buffs. For all these years, CU has been this thing that we cover out of passion, but it doesn't necessarily make money. And then all of a sudden, Coach Prime comes along, and it's the biggest story in all of sports. And there we are, ready for that moment that we didn't see coming, but we are ready for it. And all these other local and even national media is playing catch up to groundwork that we had been laying for years. So it's that this core belief of, Hey, sports are supposed to be fun. And if you're interested in them, people are going to feel your passion. And you know, when a great moment comes along and people start looking for the coverage, we're there. And I think that's that more than anything has been our key to success. And sure. We've gotten really lucky along the way. Um, yeah, we are going to talk a lot about the Lakers and the Nuggets the makeup of both rosters here moving forward, the uh, barbs going back and forth and all of that stuff. And, and I kind of wanted to start it. It's, it's actually kind of funny that I tweeted out, you and I are talking right now and Domin, uh, who just went kind of like my guy viral or got ratioed. However, we wanted to find it the other day uh, for, for saying that he's kind of sick of Jokic's thing where yeah. Jokic, I don't, the thing is, he's not playing it off. Like, I, it, it does feel very genuine that he just, he loves basketball. He loves, like, playing basketball and being really good at basketball. Like, I don't think you would be as, as smart and cerebral a player and understand what other teams are trying to do against you if you didn't like the sport. 
But I just think he hates all of the other bullshit that American born players, especially are just, and, and like, look, the Lakers fan base, especially grew up with Kobe, like my generation of, of, of Lakers fan grew up with Kobe who would remind you at every single possible turn, Kobe's right behind me over here. Um, that, that like how, how much he loved it and how much he would die for the sport and die to win or die to not lose and all of that stuff. And so like Lakers fans, I think, especially to lose to a guy who just kind of like wanders in on media day, puts on his Jersey kind of like sighs and realizes, okay, we're going to be doing this for another, like what, eight months. And then I can go back. Cool. All right, let's do this. I think it drives Lakers fans in particular insane but I also think that that kind of cultural clash should be welcomed. I think any amount of trash talking between fan bases and organizations and stuff like that, I love that. That is a really fun part of doing all of this. It is like, you know, social media exists in part for that. I don't understand why we've reached this point where like Anthony Davis says and acknowledges, yeah, I heard Mike Malone and I heard whoever it was that called Mike Malone Lakers daddy and stuff like I heard that we heard that we're trying to answer to it or answer back on it. Whether or not they're going to be successful is one thing, but I like the fact that he acknowledges it. I like that. They look at each other and they're like, yeah, eventually we're probably going to see each other, hopefully in a spot with some stakes. And I can't wait to see how that goes. And I think the nuggets returned in kind, right? I mean, this yeah. is part of it. This is why here, here's my take on this whole thing. And I think it's layered and fascinating but there was a lot that you just threw at me, and I think we should break it all down. This this yeah. is a deep conversation here. One, Jokic is significantly more like Kobe Bryant than people realize. Yeah. Significantly more. You, people, Jokic has tons of quotes about how dedicated he is to the game, how much he loves the game, how much he obsesses over the game, how the different ways he practices the game that nobody else practices, right? It's like very unique way of approaching how he becomes a skilled player. He's thoughtful in that. He actually bought a team in his hometown of Sombor that was like a super low, because Sombor is a little town, a super low level team and has invested all this money into it to raise it up to be, it just got promoted to the top Serbian league, not the Adriatic league, which is outside of Serbia, but the level one league of just Serbia. So he has a grassroots European team that he purchased, has built up and invested a lot of money in, and is growing now and is growing. But the media has picked out on his nonchalance, some of which he has crafted himself. And we can talk about why, in my opinion, I think he crafts that. And that sells. It sells to paint Jokic as this guy that is annoyed at the fact that he has to play basketball. It sells. It's a great story that we don't have to... We don't have to get to know Jokic. It's just like, oh, this guy, look at him walking in. He's walking into the building and he looks a little sad. Isn't that funny? Mm. He must hate this. And it's like, no, you, I could, I could have gotten Kobe walking into the gym and been like, oh man, he looks mad today. Does he not want to be here? Like you could craft that. He says all these things, they don't go viral. And then he walks into the gym lethargic and it goes viral. And that's my point is the, the, the backlash, it's all fun. If that's how you media and fans want to access this, then by all means, and there is a kernel of truth to it. There is a little bit there of where he's not playing a very specific part of the game. But the guy's watching basketball seminars, not one or two, multiple. He's calling coaches who coach European clubs because he's watching their games and he's calling them with notes like, hey, I noticed you in the fourth quarter had this or that. Why don't you try this? He's bringing plays to Michael Malone 
in the playoffs and saying, we should run this. We should do this when we run this yeah. action. We should do this. That's not the, that's not a guy that couldn't be bothered to be there. That's there was a, a guy great that's clip obsessed. that went, there was a great clip that I saw from I think me. either you or Harrison posted it where it was one of the games that he was playing against Nurkic when Nurkic was in Portland and Nurkic was kind of standing there in the paint and he <laughs> like saw he was like, Hey, he's been there for three seconds and he right. knows the rotation that, you know, that, that, that Nurkic has to make and he knows where he has to go. And as soon as, as soon as Nurkic like turns that way, he yep. attacks and gets fouled out. Right. By the way, that's like a shot fake for three seconds. This like a shot <laughs> fake is like, you're pretending to shoot. This, where he's looking at the ref, is pretending you're not ready to go, and but you actually are. He yeah. does it a lot, and it's funny. It's like a move. It's weird yeah. to say, but it's a move. It's like LeBron's like old man move, where he like looks at the ball, and then like for yeah. some reason yeah. the defense is like, like kind of backs yeah. off, and he's like, "That's honestly working." Yeah. Um, no, I I think that I think that yeah, I agree with a lot of that, and actually, if I can take it even a step further and get like super deep on this and almost like borderline societal, but we're at this place right now where labor is really fed up with being expected to go above and beyond and real, like, er, 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 like labor in general is just really sick of, of management basically saying that forever you nine to five was a joke. It's, it was, eight to five, it was nine to six. And then when you get home, you're going to be answering emails and stuff like that. And um, I kind of feel like Jokic has kind of in a, in a weird way embodied a labor movement where like people do say like, I stand, I stand a guy, I stand a guy who like, doesn't want to do the extra stuff. I stand a guy that like does not, not, not the extra work. Like not not talking about like the the the, the preparation and and the under, conditioning and stuff like You're that. The promotion, the selling, the lead. Yeah, like I, I and yeah. I think I I kind of feel like a, I I do think like yes, media does pick and choose the way that they're going to portray somebody, but I do think that this specifically is kind of sort of resonating with with like people who are just really fed up with being expected to go above and beyond for an employer that doesn't always necessarily care about them. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't see this angle at all. The, the like labor versus management <laughs> angle. I honestly <laughs> just thought about it. I might What I see, and, and first of all, that's why I say there is a kernel of truth. Like Yoke's not completely blameless. You know, he never tries in the all-star game, for example. Um, and to me, people will say, well, it's the all-star game. That's dumb. That's BS. And I look at it and I go, yeah, but it's, you know, there are cool moments. Kobe going at Jordan, you know, Magic and, and Isaiah. Like, there are cool moments in history that we remember that, yes, they were meaningless, but, man, were they fun and they resonate. And I do think that Yoke can pay into those types of moments. I do think that there are just things like being more visible, being more available to, like, to share some personality. I think that's part of it. But those things are texture. Those things are so much smaller. Like, I think back to, this is what I think is wrong with the NBA and where Yoke doesn't fit with it. And some of this is cultural. And we'll get, we should talk about some of the cultural reasons. But two years ago, or maybe it was last year, John Morant and uh, Draymond Green beefing with each other on Twitter, beefing with each other, like doing this stuff. And yeah. they get a Christmas Day game out of it. Because it yeah. was like, oh, these teams hate each other. And when the Christmas schedule dropped, Draymond tweeted at Ja, our plan worked. Ha 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 or whatever. And people were like, awesome. And I look at that and I go, this league freaking sucks. Like this is the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Everybody's I, just tweeting out hashtag this league. And you're like this league with a few extra words. <laughs> it's like this league is freaking ridiculous that the, like, this is such a Wrestling. stupid, 
stupid rivalry that somehow elevated the Grizzlies into being the team that gets to take on the uh, reigning champs on the marquee day of the entire calendar year out of this yeah. stupid beef that has nothing to do with basketball. Has everything Neither to team do with makes the conference thing. finals. And that's the part that I think Jokic looks at and goes, you guys want me to do this? Like, seriously? Am I supposed to, like, call out Joel Embiid? And, like, people love it, right? Joel Embiid yeah. would hop on Instagram and post little memes and stuff whenever he would outduel a player, and people love it. And look, that is for some people, but I think that the league is too dependent on that in a way that is like really corny to me. And mm. I think even more corny and foreign to Jokic. And so if you hate Literally. that, you're not going to like him. But to me, I'm like, if that's the knock that he doesn't do those things. Yeah. I, I can't get on board with that. Yeah. I don't, I, the performative nature is, is, is the one thing, right? I honestly, I kind of like the and and you're going to talk about the cultural aspect of this. I do kind of like the the Drago kind of approach where you just show up and kick people's ass. Right. You know? I mean, the, he averaged a triple-double and he doesn't ever miss any games. You know, it's like yeah. one of those things where people are like, he doesn't give. I'm like, he literally doesn't sit. He plays yeah. every game and he puts up the craziest stat lines every every night. What are we doing? All the while playing and looking like he has a head cold. It's the craziest <laughs> thing. But but like I I I it's it's and this is where I wish we would lean more into those cultural differences, right? Like Anthony Davis does say at media day, we heard that stuff. LeBron and I talked about that stuff. Right. Um, Mike Malone says like, and, and, and I thought it was a, a, a funny and clever response there where he's just oh, gaslighting Lakers fans, right? He's yeah. just like, oh, you're oh. still thinking about it. It's like, of course we're thinking about you. You swept us in the Western Conference Finals. Like my favorite <laughs> we're line. We're not going to be thinking about that. My, yeah. my favorite line, because yeah, he did the oh, they're talking about us. Like oh, I didn't know. Wow, <laughs> like he's doing this so, so hilarious. My favorite line though is he goes, "I know it was a four-game sweep, but those games all seemed like they were close. <laughs> I just mm. like, not even that they were close. They all seemed like they were close. I just <laughs> he, I swear to God, he memorized his response and just like delivered it line for line." <laughs> Um, quick aside that we will have to segue awkwardly from, but while it obviously sucked to lose to the Nuggets and all of that stuff, to find out that Mike Malone would eventually, or Michael Malone would eventually lose his father after winning the championship made that championship run that much cooler. Cause you know, coming from a coaching background, coaching family, all of that stuff that that had to be super cool for those two to really celebrate together. So you know, that was, that, that was something that was the, my, my first immediate thought. My dad loves basketball. He's, you know, I, I beg him all the time, just subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> so that we, I don't have to hold it again when I, <laughs> when I talk to him, but, but like, you know, you know, that those, those few months were, you know, really celebratory there for a little bit. So that was, that was really cool. But, and, but, and to him in particular, by the way, because I, I said this on our show, but I don't know anybody that was closer to their dad, dad than Michael Malone was to Brendan Malone. That wasn't mm -hmm. one where it was like, you know, it wasn't an average father son dynamic. It was, that was his best friend. That was his mentor. That was everything. So um, I do agree with you that I think is really special. Uh, that he got to see that as sort of his last, you know, in his last days, he got to see his son take the baton because that is a guy who started coaching, I think, in 1967, Brendan Malone. Mm. Basketball's only been around for 130 years. They go back 70. Like, think about yeah, that. They go back more 60. Than half. <laughs> they go yeah. back half of the history of basketball <laughs> coaching. Like, yeah. this is a, these are roots that go really deep. And, um, you know, all's fair in love of more like this rivalry, Michael Malone, I think has wanted it, you know? So I, I mean, this isn't a thing to like, Hey, take it easy on him or this or that, but it is one of those things where I sit and I go, 
it kind of, I do wonder, it is a little weirder now. It's a, it's a little of the bite off, right? <laughs> I mean, like I, 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 there are, there have been tweets that I've been thinking about sending that I'm like, Dude, yeah, I'm yeah. going to wait. I'm going to wait like another, you know, a little while or whatever, but, but like uh, beyond that though, I don't know, Adam, my, I think least favorite and I, and I tweeted this, you know, uh, making fun of it when, when I tweeted out like the, the, the plug for the show tonight or whatever, but, but my least favorite trend in sports right now is the whole rent free thing. It is the worst. It's it just, is the it's, just, it's old. It's just like, it's worn out. Well, it, it was done from the get go. Cause like it's, it had, it had, I think rent free had its day. I think, but, but like all it was, was like, it was a conversation ender. Cause there's no, there's well, no real yeah, retort, yeah. you know, like there's like, to me, I like trash talk that, that has a bit of a retort to it. Sometimes you do like drop a line that is just a conversation ender or whatever, but it's it's like, okay, so I'm not supposed to be thinking like, so the, the, the Clippers, yeah. for example, they, they, to me, like led the rent free charge where really, Oh yeah, totally. Their their fans. Every time that like I laughed at the Clippers for would've, being would've, the Clippers would have never happened in the Sterling era. <laughs> but, but like, no, no when, rent was free. No, right, that was a, that was a bad landlord. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it depends to certain to certain renters, maybe. But, um, but like I I was like. You know the, the Clippers basically when when Balmer took over did the whole like sh- you know streetlights over spotlights thing and we over me and and all These that stuff. These things are so corny, man. They like, totally are. They totally are. So corny. But then like after they lost and I mocked that stuff every time I mocked the Clippers for that corny behavior, yeah. the response from Clippers fans was always, "Oh, rent free. You're thinking about the Clippers after you won a championship. Well, rent free, rent free." And I'm like. Yeah, you're right. You can be creative. You can be more creative. You're right. It's I yeah. know you are, but what am I? It's like okay, this is a little juvenile. It's a little late. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. Do you want to know which one? Do you know what I? I have one for you, Anthony. Uh-huh. If you'd like to hear it. Oh God. I have come. I, I have come to terms with the Lakers' dominance. Honestly, how many championships is it? Sixteen. Seventeen. Seventeen. Mm-hmm. And all over the country too, like in you know Minneapolis, Los Angeles. Like you guys, I mean, honestly, it okay. decades of dominance. I am ready to declare the Lakers officially the team of the past. I, I think that they deserve <laughs> it. I think that they have earned it. They, to me, they are unquestionably the team of the past. I, you know, I appreciate that, Adam. I really, really do. Um, <laughs> but I think the Lakers match up pretty damn well with the Nuggets this year. I. <laughs> I do. Really? Yeah. I mean, those games did seem close. All, all four of them seemed really close. Well, you know, it turns out that, like, losing uh, a a a six-man in Bruce Brown, I think, is probably going to hurt a little bit. I love that. Um, I love This is the first team in history to lose their sixth man and, like, lose this much status. <laughs> well, imagine if the Spurs, back when Tim Duncan was there, lost their sixth man. That would kind of matter. Well, he was their I third think. man. His Bruce Brown is the <laughs> true sixth best player, but you're right. But, but, but um, I, I think that, you know, the, the Nuggets are really leaning heavily on their young guys taking a step forward. Sometimes that works. And... They're also betting on Nikola Jokic just making guys better, which has been the case uh, ever since that he he kind of stepped into that role in that organization. Um, but I think the the Lakers have, 
and it was funny. Harrison uh, Wind, your your uh, Harrison Denver Harrison. I have L.A. Harrison. And there's Denver Harrison, but Denver Harrison made the point that like nobody did anything to guard Jokic, right? Nobody did anything to really specifically deal with Jokic and how imposing he is physically and all of those things. And my thing was like, why even try? There's no guarding that guy. You know, I, think, I would uh, rather I would rather force the Nuggets to try to defend. And I kind of think that that's what the Lakers and other teams kind of did here, where they were like, uh, yeah, Denver's defense looked quite a bit better when LeBron and Anthony Davis couldn't throw a pee in the ocean and they were having to play Dennis Schroeder because D'Angelo Russell shot the bed. Um, I, I kind of I, I don't even I don't I, I'll tell you what, of all the troll, I don't think he should. Shat the bed, man. I, I think that he is an unplayable player against Denver in all in all facets. And if you remember, of all the troll jobs Michael Malone said during the playoffs, not even after, but during that wasn't really after trolling. game one. After game one, he went to the podium and he said, "You know, D'Angelo Russell's been a key player. It'll be interesting to see if they keep playing him." And I remember thinking, like, "Bro, that's the wildest shit talk I've ever heard in my life." In game one. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, it's going to be really interesting to see if they keep playing him. Almost like he was daring them to play him. Yeah, I mean, and well, they, did, they didn't. They kept playing him. They didn't really have other options, right? It was Dennis Schroeder, who you throw him out there, and yeah, he can be pesky on the ball and stuff like that. But when the ball rotated over to him, you could see Denver just kind of like relax. Because at the worst, if they wanted to get a hand up, they had forever and a day to get over there because he had such a, a slow release from deep. Um, in this case, though, I think the Lakers did some stuff to either uh, give themselves some some different options if D'Angelo Russell is, isn't able to play, if he does get played off of the court. Um, he is still very movable at the deadline if that is something that they decide to do, if they, if they figure out that that is going to be the case again. And, and also, like, and I've been talking about this a bunch, and you're going to laugh, and, and, and this is probably me being a homer and some confirmation bias because I've been rooting for, hard for D'Angelo Russell since he entered the league. Um, I still remember the the D'Angelo Russell-Emmanuel Moutier the rivalry <laughs> yeah. that, that was going yeah. to be there. Um, but wow. but <laughs> world's worst rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> but... He, uh, you know, he had a, he had a quote that, that went viral the other day talking about how he had to improve defensively so that he can't get played off of the court again. Um, I think that was an indirect reference to what Michael Malone was talking about and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, I, that amount of, of self-awareness from a player at this stage of his career, he also recognizes, and I think his team recognizes, his personal team recognizes, hey, man, market wasn't there for you th this year. Right. And if you get played off the court again in the playoffs, you're looking at being like a eight or nine million dollar player here moving forward, and nowhere near the the twenty five that he was expecting this this last off season. So I, I do kind of think that that uh, the Lakers are better suited to deal with Denver this year than they were last year. And uh, yeah, it was a sweep. <laughs> I I do think those games were 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 pretty competitive, even given that it was a sweep. Um, and and I do think that the that, that the Nuggets are going to miss the two guys in in uh, Bruce Brown and Jeff Green that they aren't going to have anymore. Um, I, I you know I don't, I, I don't know about Jeff Green, but I think Bruce for sure. I think no question Bruce. Yeah, I, how confident are you in the young guys uh, stepping up? I know I know Christian Brown is somebody who who looked really good in the postseason in, in a more narrow role. If that expands, do you think he can handle that pretty well? Well, I think he's a significantly better defender than Bruce. 
Um, okay. So the thing Bruce brought was a, he was a ball handler. And with Yoke, you don't necessarily need a point guard, but you do need someone that can bring the ball up. And then, you know, it, mm-hmm. it gave Denver this like initiate. Yeah, but it gave Denver this like staggered series of lineups that you could throw out there with him as a ball handler that really worked. And I think Denver's going to be missing that more than anything. So that's where they're going to miss Bruce. But defensively, I think Christian Brown's significantly better uh, than Bruce Brown ever was. So I think that defensively they can be better there. Um, and then, yeah, I do. I trust the young guys. Not really. That, that's the big thing is they have a lot of young guys that they're going to have to. Somebody's going to have to make a leap up. I will say, I think they only need one of them too. Cause in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you play seven guys. You have an eighth guy that's kind of there and games you're comfortable with, but Denver played seven guys in multiple games in the playoffs and, you know, worked great. Um, so I think they need to find one of them, whether that's Peyton Watson, UCLA legend, yeah. uh, whether that is Zeke Naji. Whether that is Julian Strother who's had a very good preseason. Um, maybe it's Reggie Jackson or Justin Holiday, one of the veterans. We'll find out. But, um, hmm. you know, I, I mean, here's the thing people don't realize. Jeff Green was horrible last year. Jeff yeah. Green is – Jeff Green's the guy that's like on reputation being given this like, oh, they had him. He was horrible. He On off, he was one of the worst players in the entire NBA last year. And yeah. every second he was on the court just felt like you were holding onto the seat. Like, okay, just – only lose by six points during the stretch here, and you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. So he's a guy that I mean, he doesn't shoot the three well. He doesn't particularly. He doesn't rebound at all. He doesn't really. You know, he has size is the one thing. But um, so so for me, I think that part's overstated. It's Bruce, and um, they got to find one guy to replace him. What's the thing that would happen that would make Denver just dynastic, impossible to deal with? Peyton Watson probably being the guy because he's the one. He's like six eight, seven foot one wingspan, hyper athletic. He kind of has like a Herb Jones game to himself, where if if he hits, he's just this elite defensive slasher. And yeah. playing with Jokic, anybody that's a slasher just is an yeah. efficient player because Jokic. As I always say he's it's like Tom Brady and Randy Moss. If you give Tom Brady Randy Moss, you don't need to run good routes. You're just gonna he's gonna put it on the money and out jump yeah. you every time. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's the guy, but you know, he's young and he's pretty inexperienced. Even when you go back, he didn't play a lot in college. He didn't play last year. He's basically a redshirt year. I'm always skeptical of guys that take effectively two years off of game reps to go in and be able to compete at that level. So for me, it's probably him. And then I'll put one other piece out there. Jamal Murray was so freaking good in the playoffs for the second straight playoffs. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't too in the bubble. The last time he played, it was shot making. He just, his shot making was just unbelievable. He had all those 50 point games this year. It was shot making and he saw the court so well. Game three of the finals was the most impressive Jamal Murray game is a 30 point triple double that somehow got outshined by Jokic's 30, 20, 10 triple double. But <laughs> that game Murray was surgical in his decision making and shot making. He made every read. Miami, say what you will about their talent, their ability to execute a game plan is like bar, you know, second to none in the NBA. Yeah. So to beat them, you had to read the court in an elite level. And Murray did. He not only at elite level, he had one of his best games ever against one of the most complicated defenses to read and to suss out. So for me, Murray is a guy that is in line to be. I, I've likened all I just love pissing off your audience. I've likened them prior to this run, but I spe- I believe it more now never. I think that they are this generation's Kobe and Shaq and Murray because of his injuries. It's a little hidden just how good he can be, but those two guys just fit together so well. And Murray at his best is like a top 15 player in the NBA, maybe even a little bit higher. 
And so for me, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, well, how can they be a dynasty? Those guys are already unstoppable, and I just feel like they're at the knee of the curve. I mean, I guess the good news there is that, like, in a couple of years, he's going to run Jokic out of town then, right? So, so <laughs> they might. I always say they might be the the Kobe and Shaq that like each other. <laughs> well, it's it it really helps that like the. <clears throat> at the time the history that was being written was that like Kobe was this villain and all of this. And I actually just finished reading, um, the, 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 the three ring circus book. Um, and, and you kind of read that and, and Shaq is painted in, in a certain light because of his affability and because of like right. that attitude that he had just towards humanity that Kobe didn't have at the time. He was a very immature kid. And, and you, you do kind of look back though. And, and, you know, Shaq has said this, Kobe and Shaq have said this together, but if Shaq had, you know, Kobe's approach to the game, he'd have been the greatest player that we'd have ever seen, period. Right. And and when you talk about, like, Jokic having a lot of Kobe to him, that's frankly kind of terrifying because, you know, Murray, we know how competitive he is, and and and, and given the, the approach that Jokic kind of has to it, yeah, that 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 is a a tandem that fits together perfectly, and I think especially Jokic just kind of puts himself above the bullshit and just like wants to win, wants right. to like wants to, and that's that's you know that was the thing that Shaq and Kobe were missing was it like Shaq and Kobe didn't want to win so much as they wanted to win on their terms, and and the league is just too talented for that to be the case. But, but let me real quick, because if I can take off my Lakers trolling hat for a second and be sincere, because Kobe's one of my all-time favorite players. You know, I'm like every other person that loves basketball. And I think about, I often think about, I really wish I could see Kobe watch this team and talk about this team, because yeah. I think he would love the Nuggets. You know, he'd probably root for the Lakers just because that's his team or whatever. But I think he would, he predicted Jokic was going to win MVP in 2019. Like, think about yeah. how crazy that is. That was like back before I was predicting he was going to win MVP. <laughs> he came in and challenged him and said, win the MVP. Um, we know how much he loved Pau. To me, Jokic is an evolutionary Pau, another step up Pau. Yeah. You know, obviously a two-time MVP. So to me, I wish I could have seen what Kobe thought of, of Jokic's evolution. Because I think at the time when he challenged Jokic to be MVP, Jokic was a great player, but we didn't know if he had a killer instinct. He does. We see it now. We now get it. Jamal yeah. Murray to me is the maybe I don't know if I can say the closest thing because there's some guys that are a lot like Kobe, but I think he's the closest thing to Kobe from the point guard position in today's NBA. The point mm. guard position is different and the game is different. But Murray is all he doesn't take as many threes as people think. He's actually much more of a footwork mid range kind of guy. Great back to the basket game. Obviously a phenomenal pick and roll player, but. He has that same mentality. He yeah, has also all he's those a fucking things. killer. <laughs> yeah, and also like he makes up beats in his head and all those different things, you know, like and he I mean, you saw was he going at anybody in that no, he was mostly going at people in the Sun series, not not as much the Lakers series, although game two, when he makes like four threes in a row and he finishes the yeah. last one like this, like he's you know, Jesus Christ. He like he has this thing in him where I just in those moments you can see it and you're like, oh. I guess we're winning because he's like he's transcended space and time. And now he's at this other dimension. Yeah. I, and that's the thing. So like, I, I, I might not have presented the question properly 
you know, when I asked like, what's the thing that launches them into like dynastic, you know, whatever, if that is just who Jokic and Jamal Murray are, I don't know what teams do about that. You know, um, if and that's why that's partly why I laugh at this stuff. Like who did the Lakers lose between 2000 and 2001? I'm sure they lost somebody. You know, I bet we, they lost their oh, sixth guy. AC Green. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, um, like they probably lost somebody and then everyone's, and I'm like, hey, no, you guys don't get it. These guys are the perfect duo. Yeah, they, they lost like Glenn Rice, but like he was kind of fat when he was there that, that year that they won that yeah. championship. Uh, there was really a kind of a core that they really relied on, right? It was Fisher, it right. was Ori, it was Fox, and it was Shaq, and it was Kobe. Um, so they never really lost any of those five guys, but... Uh, yeah, like the, the, the six man kind of came and came and went some of the power forward rotation changed and, and stuff over that time. But and other guys filled in and all of a sudden were, were awesome. And by the way, Bruce Brown was picked they up. They did on get worse though over that, over that, like, you know, people always look at the second year of that run when they went, you know, 15 and one and say like, good God, that was incredible. But that was a huge outlier for what that team was over the course of that season. And then the year that they won their third seat, their their third trope, the, the, yeah, the, a lot of third, lot of close ones along the way. There's a lot of yeah, it was and 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 uh, so, I mean, it, and that's just like the natural parity of the league, right? And and right. and in a salary cap yeah. league, it's, it it gets really difficult to keep everybody together. The the thing to me, actually, what I'm really terrified by, on top of of Murray and Jokic, is Murray because him getting that amount of postseason success and, and he is kind of that player. He's, he's kind of D'Angelo Russell-esque in that he, he's a big vibes player and it's like a personal vibes kind of guy. And the fact that he was able to, to celebrate that and play a really significant role in that. And if he, if he is just an absolute flamethrower always at six ten in it, you know, a size that like nobody can really contest when MPJ. the, when the Who ball. Are you saying MPJ? Yeah. MPJ. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Like if he if he is like, you know, in that stratosphere of of you know borderline all star kind of player, then there's nothing anybody can do with that team because when 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 he was cooking, um, you know, it, it basically came down to when the Lakers were playing against the Nuggets, it was like, all right, what kind of game is MPJ going to have? Because depending on that, that's going to kind of decide if the Lakers have a real shot here, given how short handed the Lakers were last year in that run. And if he is just effing good, I just don't know what anybody really does with, with that team defensively, you know, trying to defend them. So you might find this a little surprising, but I actually think Denver's big three is Jokic, Murray and Gordon. Oh, for sure. No. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean that like MPJ is like, so Gordon is, is more important on a night by night basis, but on nights that Murray has it, it's just not fair. It's not like, there's nothing anybody can do with that. Port Porter, you mean, has it, but, and, and I agree. Yeah, Porter yeah, is the yeah. ultimate, and we always say that Porter, when he's on the Nuggets win by 20 and when he's off, then the Nuggets win by five, you know, like it's, that's yeah. kind of the thing. Um, I mean, they won the finals. He shot 14% from three in five games in the NBA finals. So yeah. I, so I agree with you. The thing that, Here's the here's the thing that you have to know about the Nuggets that makes me so confident in them. Michael Porter came into the league and the first day at Media Day when he he redshirts a year and he comes and then he plays his second year. Paul Millsap was asked at Media Day what he thinks of Michael Porter and he said, "I can't wait to find out if he's as good as he keeps telling us he is." Like this is cocky dude who just is like a little too and then again, you know, Michael Porter, Russell ask. Like no, yeah, there's no shot that's not a good. I mean, he really, it was more like J.R. Smith, you know, where it's just like yeah. he's out here thinking, 
oh cool they what's the what's the uh who was the guy with the calves when it was oh they brought in lebron to support me like you know like no man oh, you're just God. ricky davis right was ricky, it ricky davis, davis thank you yeah, yeah. it's it like oh cool they brought him in to like to help me or something it's like bro you don't understand i think that was mpj greatest triple double of all time MPJ kind of walking in like, oh, that's cool. I've got a cool supporting cast already. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> and he starts from there. And some of this is, you know, the guy went through three back surgeries, man. I mean, yeah, not many, most, I think 99% of NBA players would have quit basketball along this way. And he just loves it so much. and kept going. But at media day today or, or this year, he was asked, like, are you ready for a bigger role? You know, last year you kind of were a floor spacer. And he says, we won a championship with me in this role. I've come to terms basically with being in this role. It's for the best of the team. All summer, I worked on how to be better at this role and we're going to keep winning. And I just, that's the culture of Denver. And I know it sounds corny, but that really is the culture where Reggie Jackson, uh, uh, Justin Holiday, Austin Rivers, all these, Bruce Brown, all these come journeymen who've been around all these teams come in and are like, no, guys, you don't get it. It's different here than it is everywhere else in the entire NBA. And if Michael Porter can go from that kid who said they're here to support me to, oh, I'll just go to the corners and get better at being in the corners. That's the culture of the whole team. And that's why I'm like, it's so hard for teams to get there. And then the talent's already at the roof. So for yeah. me, I look at it and go, this team just reaches a ceiling. I'm not surprised they went 16 and four in the playoffs. Yeah, as I was hearing that, I was just saying shit. <laughs> because if that is genuinely, if that is genuinely his approach here, um, because we we saw like, so uh, D. Steven in, in the comments right mentions Kyle Kuzma here, and and that's worth noting. Kuzma also though, it's not that he was pushing for a trade, but he welcomed it. He he was ready to go to Washington and have a bigger role there, and 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 see how that went. I think there was also a feeling around the organization that the Lakers were going to swing big, and he was, you know, one of the more intriguing prospects that they had on that team. Obviously, that trade didn't go very well. Um, but but uh, if MPJ is genuine and, and, and that's how he's going to go about it and he gets better in that role on a night-by-night -night basis, that is really effing difficult to deal with. And, you know, I, I, we, I wanted to talk to you about how the Lakers and Nuggets kind of match up, but you know, it's kind of wooden esque, right? Where John Wooden didn't necessarily game plan for other teams. He was just like, if we play our best, it doesn't matter. Is that, is that where you, it sounds like that's where you have the Nuggets right now? I, I mean, they're starting five. There's just no question. Like, I, I don't think there's a starting five that can outperform Denver starting five, but we know basketball is more than that. And the depth prop question with the Nuggets is still there. So you know, I could foresee a, a, a series with somebody, maybe it is the Lakers, where Denver starters dominate every game and they still lose narrowly. I don't think there's a team that's going to, you know, boat race them. No. But somebody that can just win those margins enough that it's like, man, Denver just doesn't have the horses to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Um, so, I mean, they're vulnerable. It's not like they're they're not the, the 2018 Warriors, right, where you're like, come on. They're not yeah. that. But they, but they are a team that is just so connected. The chemistry is so freaking unbelievable. I just did a breakdown. It's pinned on my Twitter page. I did a breakdown of a play that everybody in the NBA runs. Rip DHO. It's one of the most common actions. Denver runs it to perfection because Jokic and Murray have run it 20,000 times. Yeah. Aaron Gordon and Jokic have run it 20,000 times. Like this team just knows what they're doing. And it doesn't – they ran it every game of the playoffs multiple times and nobody stopped it. And half the time it was either a lob dunk or a wide-open Murray three – 
And when you're watching as a Lakers fan and you're watching the Nuggets for the first time, you're thinking, why is Murray wide open at the top of the key? Where did it happen? And it's like, man, they just know each other so well. So the starting lineup, I just, I don't, teams can do a good job against them, but they had a 120 offensive rating in the playoffs over four rounds. Which team in the Western Conference makes you the most nervous? I need to see him. There's too much new. I mean, here's the other thing about Denver. I'm just talking about continuity and that's Mm -hmm. their real advantage. And that's why I'm not too afraid of these teams that like bring in a Bradley Beal and bring in, you know, some of the pieces, even the Lakers brought in. It's like, are you going to be able to build up the chemistry needed offensively and defensively to challenge Denver? But you will see what happens as the year goes on. Um, The Warriors come to mind just because Steph's three point shooting is obviously the hardest thing to do for Jokic Mm -hmm. to guard is to guard pick and rolls 30 feet from the basket. And he can just get hot in ways that are – he's already a 45% three-point shooter, but he does have series where he shoots 55%. And then it's like, well, you know, what do we do here? Yeah. Um, and then, I, I, you know, Dallas is another t- – I don't, I don't think Dallas is good is the problem, but they play five out and maybe there's something there. Um, and then, look, LeBron and Anthony Davis are really good. I, Le, LeBron, to me, I've been predicting it for three years. Everybody has. But LeBron at some point is going to run out. And I honestly think it happened last year. I tell people this all the time. LeBron, to me, was the most impressive player the Nuggets went up against last year in the playoffs. He was the most impressive. He guarded Jokic the best of anybody. Yeah. And in game four in particular, he was just like, game four was probably the only game Jokic out was outplayed. I think he was the best player. And I would say games three and four because Devin Booker didn't miss a shot. Although Jokic had 53 in one game and a 40-point triple-double. What was it? 30? No, 34, 17, That was what 17. was insane in that series. It was like he, <laughs> Booker was going on these crazy scoring runs. You're like, actually, Jokic is outscoring I, him here in the series? I, I actually think Jokic was better than Devin Booker in games three or four. So I think LeBron in game four was the only game where a player was better than Jokic in the game. And LeBron ran out of steam at halftime. <laughs> like, it cost yeah. him everything he had to outplay Jokic in one desperation game. So I look at that and I go, oh, I'm sure being a year older is going to help him there. Like, I I have so much respect for LeBron. I just, at some point, he runs out of gas. And if last year wasn't enough, are we sure? If 38 was too old, is 39, like at 39, he's going to somehow get even better. I just, it's hard to imagine. Yeah, I still, and I'm I'm biased here, but I I still do think that it's the Lakers that, that, I would be most nervous about if I were the Nuggets. I have had the Nuggets in their own tier in the conference basically since shit last year. Uh, for most of last year, the Nuggets were the best team far and away in the conference. They just didn't care about the the last like quarter of the season because they didn't have to. They were up by seven and a half or something like that at one point on the on the rest of the conference and. Um, there was all this, the, the nonsense going on about the, the MVP thing and everybody just kind of like, they all kind of chilled and then got right back to being the nuggets that, that, you know, we, we knew them to be. Um, so I do still have the nuggets as, as kind of that top tier Phoenix's defense would really make me nervous if I was a Suns fan. Um, I don't buy, I don't buy them, man. And here, here's the thing about Phoenix. They're so talented. And I think we always just think about talent. We yeah. forfeit chemistry, which I don't know if there's chemistry. First of all, Devin Booker shot like 90%, you know, in a six-game series where Denver outscored them by like 90 points over six games despite losing two. Um, Denver dominated that series. It's just Booker got so hot for a couple games that they snuck a few in. Um, but I don't trust that Beal is going to like fix any problems. And then number two, they've lost every elimination game by 40 points. 
There's just something to this team where I look at it and I go, I don't know, man. When they're making shots and in a lead, they catch fire and they kind of boat race. But when they're not, they always fall apart. And I just watched that series. People always ask, like, were you nervous at any point? I wasn't even nervous at that point. I watched the first quarter of game five and I was like, oh, so Denver's going to win by 40. Okay. And they did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I have been now. It didn't necessarily help my case that <laughs> the very first quarter they all played together, they dropped forty six points, um, and and that kind of firepower is kind of terrifying. But it's I gonna do, be great like, in the regular season. The the defense is eventually going to matter, and they just don't have anybody on that side that you know, especially in their core five best players. Like they they just don't have any like natural defenders there. So I'm also, not really Kevin necessarily thirty four. What's that? Kevin Durant's 34. Yeah. With he's sneaky like old. torn Achilles the, in his. In and his. the torn Achilles and just, and he has a seven footer that like runs and everything. Like he's not getting to the rim if you look at his numbers. And again, I'm not saying he's done, but I just think there's a little bit of, that's a team that's extremely thin and he's yeah. not getting better. Even though Booker's definitely getting better. Beal's probably getting better. I won't believe in the Clippers until they absolutely prove it to me that they're worth believing in. They're uh, in the sweet spot this year, by the way. The Clippers. I everybody's guess. given up on them. They're just yeah. everybody's given up. That's what for the first time ever. I, I think I still saw more people taking them as potential championship favorites over the Lakers. Really? In, in that in that GM poll or something like that. Um, so that's, that's you know, funny. I'm I'm not gonna believe in them necessarily. I uh the Warriors were too small last year and didn't really address it. And so that that you know, Steph is still Steph, and that's the only reason I believe in them at all. And the Memphis has a lot going on. Uh, I, I, you know, I kind of feel like the Lakers are, are I, and, and, and this is the thing, and, and this is kind of, this brings this conversation full circle. Um, I promise I didn't plan this. I'm not that good at my job. But I, I really like the amount of shit talking between the two organizations because one team knocked the other out of the Western Conference Finals en route to a championship. Then you had that reversed. This season feels like that kind of, and because I don't think, you know, to the point you made a second ago about LeBron's age, right? I don't think there is another match beyond this season if it doesn't happen here. And if it does, and you have that kind of, that, you know, trio of fights between these two organizations it's not your classic rivalry. It's not It's not like Lakers-Celtics or whatever, but it is Lakers-Kings. It is Lakers-Spurs. It is, it is that kind of run where these two fan bases, these two teams, these two organizations, these two cities hated each other. And that's that's like a big chunk of what I watch sports for. So I, I really do, I, I, I legitimately think it about the Lakers heading into this, this season. And I really do hope it that we do get this, the, you know, a final rematch here between these two teams before LeBron is too old to throw one last haymaker at, you know, the best player in the world. So that's kind of how I want this to play out. I, I'll just tell you, this is an important thing to understand that I don't think, you know, being a fan of the Lakers, it's hard. Unless you're a team fan of another team that's not Lakers-esque, um, it's hard to so. understand this. For years, the Lakers have been Denver's nemesis. And Denver has been the, I don't think about you at all team to the Lakers, right? Yeah. So the fact that Lakers fans are so riled up for Denver feels almost as good as the championship. It's like almost like, oh, now we're rivals. Okay. See, that's a version of the rent-free thing. I'm going to give it a pass. You know, it's a version of the rent-free thing. 
you know yeah, it's, it's, yeah but it's but it's it's more nuanced it's more it's it more, is it's more correct of like it's never been acknowledged and the fact that it's acknowledged is like ooh, direct hit <laughs> no i but of course like here's the thing of course it's a direct hit yeah like that was championship number 18 yeah. that was you know it, we got to that we got to that series you and i were texting in the lead up to it and and you know, generally speaking, if the Lakers make a conference finals, they tend to make the finals and they tend to win the finals. And so I'm thinking, holy shit, this this season that started with Russell Westbrook and started with all the nonsense that was going on there could somehow potentially like wind up in a championship. I, I love that you're making this into like some Rudy story. That was my favorite part, actually, of the Lakers last year, trying to make well, this into the, like the little Rudy, the little engine that could. That was that was actually the most adorable part. They really were, though. Like, <laughs> they, 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 like they were together for all of 15 minutes. And, and for 13 of those minutes, LeBron was missing time. D'Lo was missing time. Uh, Anthony Davis, like, forgot how to shoot. Um, I will I, say I, this. I, here's, here's one thing that I don't know if Lakers fans caught. Bruce Brown did an interview. I think it was with Theo Pinson on title where yeah. he was, cause he was only there for one year. And he said, yeah, the Lakers series was weird. All the guys like really wanted that one. And I don't know why. And I thought that was really interesting. Cause he was like, you could just tell the team was so serious. They like, had an edge to him that whole series. And I think it was true. Like Denver, one of their flaws, and it's a Jokic flaw, and it, so the rest of the team has it, is they do F around sometimes. You know, like, yeah. They'll blow a game. I mean, I think all the losses they had this year were because they F'd around a little bit. You know, They blow out the heat in game one. They come back game two, and just like you could tell, they didn't take yeah. game two seriously at all. And then they come back game three and win by I 20. bet the heat in game two, because I was like, yeah, it's, this is going to be that fucking yeah. game. <laughs> the, the, the Nuggets had already started drinking champagne. But yeah. So the Nuggets can do that. In that series, they didn't do it at all. They were just no. dialed the entire time. And I have two theories. One is the more likely one. It's the team that knocked them out. Jokic and Murray remember the bubble. Yeah. Like, they're, you know, that knocked them out. That was the, the mountain they have to climb. But you I think have said that, like, Jokic went through that series against AD and used that as like, oh, all right, I have to change my approach here. And then the other thing is, and I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but LeBron is sort of the vanguard of like who is in and not in the club in the NBA. He's, he's the one that allows you into the club mm, or does not like allow you in. Yeah. Jokic was not allowed in the club. Of, yeah. Where was he picked he was on Murray, the all-star? Murray. Where was he picked in the all-star game? Dead freaking last. Right. Yeah. All of these things. And I'm not saying it was the all-star. Game. I don't think Jokic cares, but it is just this sense of LeBron and his enormously powerful media and agency arm is a lot Kendrick Perkins. He's not a real, you know, like nobody in the league thinks he's good, you know, like this or that. Those are all things that I think everyone knows are coming from, or at least influenced by LeBron and who he agrees or not. So I think the nuggets took that series as they don't think we're in the club and we're going to show them. And, and to me, it was a really cool revenge. Yeah. I, I, can't I hope wait. I hope Yoke's the captain, by the way, this year. And LeBron has it would be the funniest thing if Jokic <laughs> picks LeBron James last in the draft. Well, I don't think LeBron. I think LeBron would get picked second, like you know. Yeah. But yeah, but I I I can't wait for this season. I I love this stuff. This is the you know these are like the the little mini series that you write as as part of like the the NBA's history and. You know, if it is indeed Jokic who kind of slams the door shut on the LeBron James era, that's fascinating, right? It's 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 such a of all of the players who came along who you would think would do that. It wasn't Steph. LeBron beat him in a series. 
it, it, if it winds up being this relatively unassuming dude who was drafted, what was he drafted? 47? 41st. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Um, like the, it, it, it winds up being that guy and, and Jamal Murray, who again, isn't, it wasn't that kind of heralded either. And, um, it, all of this is just really fascinating. And I, I can't wait for, I can't wait for, for opening night. I can't but wait I, for but, again, the three other matchups. I can't wait for the seven matchups that follow in the Western conference finals. Oh, opening night will be a fun one. Op- opening night, I think will be a rare, I, I, I will say this Denver lost to Utah by 20 something in their opening night last year. <laughs> they, they're a classic bad opening night team. So, <laughs> you know, what's funny though, is that like, all right, so maybe the Lakers take opening night from Denver but you know Denver is the Kobe Knight team. What? What? The that? night that the 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 night that Kobe statue gets unveiled, February eighth, twenty twenty four, is against it's against Denver. I so did like, not know this. All of like all of these matchups are going to be so charged. Like I cannot wait for this Man, season feel, between I these two teams. Like ruining a team's ring night. That's cool. Ruining Kobe night feels weird. <laughs> Even for me, who I, nobody hates the Lakers more than I do. <laughs> you know what? I got to lead into it. You know what? I got to lead into it. Let's go. <laughs> it's what Kobe would have wanted. That, that should be that should be Jokic's take after the game, right? <laughs> like I beat the shit out of the Lakers the way that Kobe would have wanted. <laughs> Man, I did not know that. Whew. Yeah. Well, Adam, this has been an absolute blast, as it always has been. Uh, obviously, for those who are longtime listeners here on this feed, Adam and I used to do uh, Locked on NBA together. We came in this business together, and I say it to me every every time I talk to you, I'm really proud of all the stuff that you guys have accomplished there at All City, DNVR, all of that stuff. Um, check out all of their stuff. Um, you know, hate read all of their stuff if you want it's 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 just as fun to do that um and adam and i will talk to you uh, i'll talk to you soon